How many of you guys excited to get in the word this morning? Hallelujah. Let's open up in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your presence that is in this place, oh God. I pray that you will prepare every heart to receive your word today. I pray that you open up every ear to hear your voice. I declare, God, that my message and my preaching is not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. Move in this place today, God. Your word is living and active. It is alive. It penetrates to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Do what only you can do today. Have your way, King Jesus. Amen. My message this morning is the cross. I want you to take some time right now and think about what the cross means to you today. For most of our world, the cross is looked at as a religious symbol. When people think of a cross, I would say that most would probably imagine the crucifixion of Jesus and in some way or another think about Easter. And to others, it is probably no more than a piece of jewelry. And they don't even think twice about the real meaning behind it. I want to tell you this morning that the meaning of the cross is more than just a religious symbol. It's more than about Easter. It's more than your jewelry. And it's more than just a story. If you are a believer in Christ here this morning and you call yourself a Christian, then you must understand that the meaning of the cross is everything you stand for. It is the cross that separates us from the world. Please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. I'll give you guys a couple seconds to get there. If you get there, please say amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. There are people perishing all around us today. People in your family, your co-workers, your neighbors, your parents, your siblings. Why? Because to them, according to this verse, the message of the cross is foolish. It doesn't mean anything. For those of us that are saved, the message of the cross is the power of God onto our salvation. You have to understand that it is not a wooden cross that saves but the message that wooden cross portrays. So what is the message of the cross? Please turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John, in chapter 3, verse 16. How many of you guys have John 3, 16 memorized? Raise your hand. Some of us learned it in, in Sunday school. Some of us is probably maybe one of the first ones we memorized after we got saved. But the two verses that come right after that, John 3, 16, 17, and 18, sometimes get forgotten. And I want us to read this whole passage this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. The message of the cross has everything to do with Jesus. God the Father gave Jesus to the world. 
He gave him to us to be our sacrifice. If Jesus did not become the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of mankind, then the whole human race would be in hell for all of eternity. We have to understand this today. Jesus put on flesh, became a man, became like his creation so that he could die for our sins. There is no other religion that can claim this or could claim it. That is why I said earlier that the cross is what separates us from the world. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 puts it like this. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Everybody say that word with me, propitiation. It's very important. It's very important because Jesus didn't just die for a noble cause. He didn't just die as a rebel. He didn't die because he was a revolutionary. Jesus was the propitiation for our sin. What does that mean? Jesus, fully God and fully man, died as a substitute for us so that God's wrath against mankind would be satisfied against us so that man could be forgiven. The message of the cross is Jesus crucified to save mankind. Somebody give Jesus praise this morning. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Now that we have discussed the message of the cross, we're going to take a look at the crucifixion of Jesus according to the Gospels. If you could turn to Mark chapter 15, verse 33. Specifically, we're going to go through the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to take a look at the journey of Jesus' crucifixion. There are three things that Jesus experienced at the cross. And through what he experienced at the cross, there's a whole lot that we gain from that. Number one, the first thing that Jesus experienced at the cross was suffering. Mark 15, 33 through 34. Now when the sixth hour had come, There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at that ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Six hours before this verse, Jesus had begun to experience a kind of torment that produced a physical suffering that no other human being would be able to endure. Six hours of suffering before the cross, and then he suffered three hours on the cross. The first thing that Jesus endured was flogging. And I'm going to give you a visual description right now of what Jesus experienced through this crucifixion time. At this point, Jesus was stripped of his clothing and his hands tied to a post above his head. The Roman soldier that takes a whip that has, been, that has broken pieces of glass and bone attached to the end brought down with full force again and again across Jesus' shoulders, back, and legs. At first, the glass and bone cut through the skin only. Then as the blows continued, they cut deeper into the tissues, producing first an oozing of blood from the capillaries and veins of the skin, and finally, spurting arterial bleeding from vessels in the underlying muscles. 
Finally, the skin of the back is hanging in long ribbons, and the entire area is an unrecognizable mass of torn, bleeding tissue. When it is determined by the centurion in charge that the prisoner is near death, the beating is stopped. The half-fainting Jesus is then untied and allowed to slump to the stone pavement, wet with his own blood. The Roman soldiers see a great joke in this provincial Jew claiming to be a king. They throw a robe across his shoulders and place a stick in his hand for a scepter. A small bundle of flexible branches covered with long thorns is pressed into his scalp. After his long walk to Calvary, the beam is placed on the ground and Jesus is quickly thrown backward with his shoulders against the wood. The soldier drives a heavy, square-wrought iron nail through the wrist and deep into the wood. Quickly, he moves to the other side and repeats the action, being careful not to pull the arms too tightly, but to allow some movement. The beam is then lifted in place at the top of the posts, and the title reading, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, is nailed in place. The left foot is pressed backward against the right foot, and with both feet extended, toes down, a nail is driven through the arch of each. As he pushes himself upward to avoid stretching torment, he places his full weight on the nail through his feet. Again, there is the searing agony of the nail tearing through the nerves between the bones through the feet. This was the physical torment that Jesus had to endure. But it didn't stop there. Why? Because Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because of all of the sin and all of the sicknesses and all of the diseases and sorrows from the fall of Adam and Eve and for all of the generations, present and future, were all on Jesus. And for the first time since before the creation of the world, God the Father had to look away from his son. And Jesus felt forsaken. So he not only suffered physically, but he suffered spiritually. He was separated from his father. And he did it for you and me. He took our place. He suffered so that our sins could be forgiven. He suffered so that our sicknesses and diseases could be healed. He suffered so that we could be comforted through our sorrows. Is that one of you this morning? Do you need your sins to be forgiven? I want you to know that there is no sin too great that our God cannot forgive. How many of you guys need healing in your body this morning? Jesus suffered so that you can be healed. There are some of you that are enduring things in your family right now that is just too difficult to even talk about it. The pain and the hurt and the sorrow that you carry, Jesus suffered that cross so you wouldn't have to do that. Some of you guys have lost children, have lost parents. That deep wounding sorrow, that pain that is inside of your heart, Jesus took that for you on the cross. He suffered so that we wouldn't have to. He suffered on that cross so that we could be forgiven of our sin, healed of our sicknesses, and comforted in our sorrows. So the next time you wonder whether or not it's worth it to live for Jesus, Just remind yourself of what Jesus had to endure for you to even have that option. 
Number two, the second thing that Jesus experienced on the cross was death. Mark uh, Mark chapter 15, verse 37, just a couple verses down from where we left off. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Because he died for us, we can live. John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Not only are we promised eternal life, life after death forever in heaven, which is the ultimate reason for Jesus' sacrifice, but he also promised a full life while we're here on earth. And the devil will bring everything from the pit of hell against you to keep you from living for Jesus. When the devil brings depression, you need to remind him that Jesus died for you. When the devil wants to come against you and bring thoughts of suicide, you need to remind him Jesus already died for you. When the devil wants to come against you and make you feel like you're not good enough and you're struggling with low self-esteem, you need to remind yourself that Jesus died so that you could experience a full life now. The devil comes to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. But Jesus died so that you can have life. So many of you guys right now maybe have been saved for two, three months. And you're feeling like the devil's coming against you. And maybe he's bringing, you know, thoughts of the past and and the regret of the sins that you've committed. You have got to remember that you are free from guilt and condemnation because of the cross of Jesus Christ. He died so that we could have life abundantly right now. With Jesus, there is purpose and fulfillment. People live such empty lives. And you can look around. People, when you're driving in your car, you can look at the car next to you. And it's just, you know, people on your job. And anybody you run into at the grocery store, people are living such empty lives. And they could have so much material possession, but they're still empty. Life for so many is meaningless. And they strive with all of their energy to work and to make things happen for themselves. People will turn to relationships, they'll turn to their job, they'll turn to their own addictions, and it still leaves them wanting more. Joe and I were watching Dr. Phil the other day, and the the title of the show was Desperate Measures. And people will turn to desperate measures to make things happen, to help them feel fulfilled in this life. And there's this one young lady, she was 35 years old, and at this point in her life, she already thought that she would be married. And so she had made a goal, that she had set a goal, that by February 15, 2011, she was, that was going to be her wedding day. So she booked the hall, she booked the ceremony site, she got the flowers, she got the photographer, she got the limousine, she got her wedding dress. No husband. She got everything. She went to desperate measures to make something happen. Why? Because she's not fulfilled in life without Jesus. If you are here today and you think that just getting married is going to make you feel so good, you've got it all wrong. Because without Jesus, your marriage will be empty. Without Jesus, your family will be empty. Only Jesus satisfies. And the sooner that the people in this world get that, the sooner they can be on their way to living a life of abundance. 
Life on this earth apart from Jesus will never satisfy. If that is you this morning, you need to come to the cross. He died so that you can have a full life here on earth and for all of eternity. Number three, the third thing that Jesus experienced on the cross was victory. Everybody say victory. Mark chapter 15, verse 38. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Some of you guys have no idea what in the world this verse is talking about. That's why I'm going to explain it to you. When I read this verse, I just feel like that fire of God up in my bones. That's how powerful it is for us to understand the scripture. What this is referring to is the Old Covenant. You see, in the Old Testament, God had established his covenant with the, with the Israelites through Moses and the Ten Commandments. Everybody say Ten Commandments. And the sin of the people back then was temporarily atoned for by the blood of goats and, goats and lambs. So temporarily atoned for by the blood of animals. There was a tabernacle that they had to make. And outside of the tabernacle in front, it's called the outer courts. And that's where all the slaughtering and the, the, the flesh of the animals was sacrificed and the blood was spilled out. And inside the tabernacle, there was two rooms, the holy place and the most holy place. And this veil that was torn in two when Jesus died was what separated the holy place from the most holy place. And this curtain was 10 inches thick. Most holy place was where the manifest presence of God was. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was, the mercy seat. See, back then in the Old Covenant, they didn't have the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with them wherever they want. It was just in that most holy place. And the only person that could go back into that room was the high priest. And he could only go back there once a year. And when he went back there, They tied a a rope around his leg, and on his robe, on the the bottom of the hem of his robe, were little bells. And so he would go back there so that he could sprinkle the blood of the animals on the Ark of the Covenant to make atonement for the people. And the reason for the bells is that when the bells would not be ringing, they would know that that high priest had dropped dead in the presence of God. Because that's how serious it was to be back there. And then they would just pull him out. So what did Jesus do? Well, why is this so powerful? Jesus did not stay dead. He rose from the grave. Luke 24 verse 5 says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He rose from the dead. He went through that curtain, not with the blood of animals, but with his own blood. And he made atonement. And that curtain that separated us from the presence of God was torn in two. And now we have access to him whenever we want. Whenever we want the presence of God, we have it. Because Jesus experienced victory on the cross. Woo! His victory means power for us. He conquered death in the grave. He went through that curtain as our high priest with his own blood. And he says, God, it's finished. It's done. 
I am the ultimate sacrifice. And now we can come to Jesus whenever we want. And so many of us take that for granted. Jesus experienced victory on that cross so that we could have access to a living God and his living presence and not die. Because that's how serious the presence of God is when it comes into contact with our flesh. Because of the blood of Jesus over our life, that is the only reason why we could come to God. I want you guys to turn to the book of Ephesians, starting in chapter 1, verse 18. And I want us to read this with our eyes and our ears open because this is so powerful. This is a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. And there's so much power behind this. And we have to understand that because Jesus is alive, he conquered death and victory at the cross. He was made victorious for us. You have to understand what that means. So I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Everybody say, I've been called to have hope. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Say, I've got a glorious inheritance. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. So this is what Paul is praying now for the church in Ephesus. He wants the heart, the eyes of the heart of the people to be enlightened so that you know the hope to which he has called you, the glorious inheritance that he has for you, and the incomparably great power that is at our disposal because we believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And he was given the name that is above every name, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed everything under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus experienced victory. And because of that, we can have power over the devil, power over his attacks. We have access to come to God and be in the presence of a holy, mighty God because Jesus experienced victory for you and for me. Rachel, if you could come to the keyboard. Just Rachel, I don't need the whole band right now. So what are the three things that Jesus experienced at the cross? What is this message of the cross? Because Jesus suffered and endured that kind of torment. You can have forgiveness of your sins, healing in your body, and comfort in your sorrows. Because Jesus experienced death at the cross, that means life abundantly on earth for you filled with purpose and destiny and meaning and life eternally with him forever in heaven and because Jesus experienced victory at the cross you can be victorious and have the power of God 
in everything that you do. I asked everyone at the beginning to think about what the cross meant to you personally. If you guys could just all stand up to your feet right now and just close your eyes. What was that thought that came into your mind? When you hear about the cross, what does that mean to you? After hearing today's message on the cross, do you think it's foolish? Because if you do, that's fine. If you say, you know what? That still doesn't mean anything to me. I really still don't believe that Jesus really even existed. And some of you can actually reject the message of the cross even though you say that you accept it. But by your actions, you're actually living as enemies of the cross. So if that is you this morning, I want you to know what the Bible says. With everybody's eyes closed all across this place. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God so there is this is it there is no other sacrifice there is no other way to be saved There is no other way to come to God other than through Jesus and the cross. If you reject this after hearing the knowledge of the truth, there is no sacrifice for your sin left. But because you remain as an enemy of God, you stand in judgment because of your own unbelief. You must accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. There is no sin too great, no sickness too difficult for Him to heal. There is nothing that can keep you separated from Him except your own choice. Come to the cross today. Come to Jesus today and receive the forgiveness. Receive the healing. Receive the comfort. Receive life of meaning and purpose. Come to the cross today for those of you who have accepted this message as salvation for your life then what do you do now you need to tell everybody you know about the message of the cross and what Jesus did to set them free you need to let them know that they could be forgiven you need to let them know that the life they're living is in vain without God and their meaning is their life is meaningless without him. First Corinthians 2 2. This is for those of you guys who've accepted it and live out this message of the cross. Paul said to the church in Corinthians, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. When you're out witnessing on the streets, you don't have to be the the greatest theologian. You don't have to be the next great apologetics debater. All you need to know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is a power onto our salvation. The message of the cross. So we have these altars open here this morning with no altar workers.
Because I want each and every one of you in your mind to not think you're coming to be prayed for by a man. You're coming to the cross today. You're coming to Jesus. And I'm not going to sit here and beg you. I'm not going to be your cheerleader because Jesus is worth more than that. If you don't want it, you don't have to come and get it because my Jesus is worthy to be lived for. So if you're not ready to give up that stuff that you so love, that sin that you just can't live without, then you can stay back in your seat. But Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world, He is worth everything you have to give. Jesus. If you need to be saved, come right now. If you need to get right with God, come. If you want power, if you want victory, if you want boldness, come right now. Whether you're right with God or you're not right with God, come, come, come now. Jesus, have your way. Move in power, God. We're coming to the cross. We're coming to the cross. And we're not holding anything back. Use us, God, to be your vessels of this message. I pray, Lord God, for salvation over everybody that needs to get right with you right now. Jesus, Jesus. I want you guys to understand that the message of the cross is not meant for you to feel sorry for Jesus because he had to go through that. The message of the cross is for your life to be ruined for him. If you walk out of here just with two tears running down your cheeks and you walk out the same way that you came in, you don't, you don't get it. The message of the cross is supposed to mess you up. It's supposed to mess you up. The message of the cross is not just to tickle your emotion. It's supposed to mess you up that you cannot walk out and live the same way that the devil wants you to live. It's supposed to ruin your life. Come on, talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Rachel, lead us out in that song. Let this song minister to you and let this be your anthem to Jesus Christ. Thank you for your death. Thank you for the chance to live again. Thank you for your blood. It always covers me. Because every day I'm falling short of your glory. Thank you for the for the nails thank you that your flesh was torn and you tore the veil thank you for your grace displayed perfectly when you hung undeserved dying on a tree
everything, everything. We give it to you. We hold nothing back. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your death. We thank you that your flesh was torn. We thank you that the blood you shed for us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your death. Thank you for the chance to live again. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your that covers me. That always covers me. Every day I'm falling short of your glory. Thank you for the crown. Thank you for the crown. For the nails. Thank you for the nails. Thank you that your flesh was torn and you tore the Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. Displayed, displayed perfectly. When you hung undeserved, dying on a tree. I give you, cause I give you my worship, I give you my love, I give you my worship, all that I am holding on to, give you my worship, I give you my love, I give you my worship, and all that I am, all we give to you, Lord, I give you my altar workers to start going around and laying hands on people just wherever they're at just start speaking life healing forgiveness today is your day the bible says that today is a day for your salvation you are not promised tomorrow get right with god today get right with god today get rid of the excuses get rid of whatever's in your way it's not worth it it's not worth it when you compare to what Jesus did for you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your death. Thank you for the chance. 